Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I break down the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers and also share some, some thoughts about Marty Schottenheimer, who just uh, passed away. Uh, Joe, before we get to that, I, I just wanted to say something to Chiefs fans and Chiefs listeners. I know it's heartbreaking what happened on Super Bowl Sunday. I know it's tough. But listen, in the last four years, the Chiefs have gone from division champs to the AFC championship game to winning it all to back to the Super Bowl, that that is just so awesome and such a feat. Just just take pride in that. That you know, yeah, it's sad, but I mean, it, it's so awesome with it. What Chiefs are are doing now, um, so take heart in that. And and really, the Chiefs the Chiefs are going to have other opportunities. The other guys, Hill, Kelsey, Chris Jones are locked up for a while. Of course, Mahomes, and you know, when you have a guy like Mahomes, you're in contention every year. Yeah, for sure, Jeff. And yeah, fans take heart. I mean, look, just think, look at what's happened over the last uh, almost what 17, 18 years since a team has won back to back, right? And of course, it was Tom Brady and the Patriots, right? <laughs> he's just like he's he's everywhere, right? He's ubiquitous. Um, but like it's it's been it's been that long, right? Since since a team has won back to back Super Bowls. I mean, that's a 17, 18 years. That's a long time. You know, you know, between you know, back-to-back Super Bowl championships. So, look, take heart in that—that that they were there, they did it. You know, they got the one. There's more to come for this team. You know, and and again, they think about from a player's perspective, right? How hard it is to even get there. I think we lose sight of that sometimes, right? Especially when we have a team so loaded as the Chiefs do and such young talent. I mean, you know, I mean, I was doing I was doing some numbers the other day. I, I looked it up. I think there's been in let's use round numbers. I think there's been 30,000 players that have played in the NFL, right? And that have one game, that have played one game. And when you think about like say let's use round numbers and say 50 players per roster, you know, times two teams, that's 100 players in the Super Bowl, right? Just use round numbers. And there's been 55 Super Bowls. That means there's only been 5500 players that have played in the Super Bowl, and that doesn't count for account for people who've played twice or three times or 10 times like Tom Brady. Tom Brady, yeah. <laughs> so you got to so you got to figure that 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 number is probably closer to like maybe 3,000, you know, maybe 4,000 players that have actually played in the Super Bowl out of, you know, 55 seasons um you're 55 super bowls and and 30,000 players that have played in the nfl it's hard to get there man so you know take heart in that jeff i I think that's a great way to open our show just you know be proud of what uh, the chiefs were able to do they battled they never quit they never gave up they every one of them handled this loss like a champion they handled it like a with class and dignity so i think there's great things ahead for this organization just get ready for next year it also shows, Joe, just how hard it is, like you said, to repeat, just that, um, you know, one of the things that makes it so tough is just injuries. The Chiefs are pretty healthy throughout the year, but then it goes to show that they have a big off, you know, Eric Fisher goes down. Mahomes looks like his turf toe flared up. That's, it's just so hard in the NFL to repeat. So, yeah, just, just appreciate uh, what they have accomplished. Joe, the other thing I was going to say, you know, what does give – 
even me, you know, when I, I was in high school, I was not nearly, I was a one millionth of the skill of a Joe Valerio. I was, I'm short, I'm, I'm slow, sorry. but since uh, I was so slow, they unfortunately put me at offensive line. So I'm, I have like an affinity for <laughs> offensive line to this day. And I did get a little satisfaction and I bet you did too, that even this day and age of a, uh, where the game is so passing friendly and the big storyline was Mahomes and, and uh, Brady and the, the, it's going to be the shootout. It football still comes down at the highest level or the lowest level. It still comes down to the line of scrimmage, the trenches and who wins that. It's still all about you guys on the offensive line. Oh, Jeff, you know, I was doing a ton of radio row stuff during the week and, I think we talked about it as well. Like if I had one camera, right, you know, I know the NFL, you know, broadcast now and, you know, this obviously the Super Bowl was on CBS, but, you know, whomever's carrying it, you know, they got hundreds of cameras, right, flying over the stadium, the blimp, you got the sideline, you got the pylon cam. But if I had one camera for this game, I've, and I said it, if I said it once, I said it 20 times during the week getting ready for the game. If I had one single camera to focus this game on, it would have been, in that five to six man box from tight end to tight end on, you know, from, you know, not even looking at, at kind of the linebackers, but just on that front line play, if I had one camera, I knew that that was going to be what dictated the winning, the winning this game. Look, I know I'm, I'm offensive line friendly. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I love talking about the line and I always want to say that it's the most important, but you know, there are some games where, you know, it's obviously everybody wants to watch the quarterbacks and, and it is the quarterbacks and the running backs and the receivers that really light it up and, and win the games. But this particular game, considering what was going on with the Chiefs, you know, obviously there was some unbelievable stuff about, you know, Laurent uh, Duvernay-Tardif and the, his teammates praising him, right? I mean, people were forgetting about assembly being out. You know, obviously Fisher with a big injury because it happened a couple weeks ago in the AFT Championship. You know, we've been talking about Mitchell Schwartz all year. Like, it just all came to a head at the wrong time, like in this game, like where they were just, you know, and my hat's off to those guys. Look, looking at the positive of this, like, give those guys some credit, man. You know, you got, you got Andrew Wiley's playing right tackle. Who knows when the last time he's played tackle. And then you got Mike Remmers, who they brought in as to be a solid backup, and he did that all year, especially when he was playing in the interior. And he's out at the premier offensive line position, left tackle, and he gave it his all. I mean, he going never against quit. one of the best pass rushers in the league, Shaq, Shaq Barrett. Not this past season, but the season before, I believe, led the league in sacks. Like, and he's going yeah. against him. And don't forget, you got Adamica Sue, you know, Vita Via, you got like, you know, JPP. I mean, that was a heck of a defensive line. Sue kind guys- of had like a retro game, like a throwback game, I thought. Like he, you know, yeah. Sue's, Sue's a little bit older. Uh, he, he's in his 30s. Some people I think he might retire. I thought he had one of those games where he just had a lot, lot to prove. And he, he, would, he looked dominant. Like he looked like his Lions yeah. days. So, you know, hats off to the offensive line for the Chiefs. I know everybody, you know, it's, it's hard to watch. But, you know, you got guys playing out of position. And everybody can say, well, the offensive line just didn't look right and he didn't play well. Listen, they were all out of position, right? There was no chemistry there in these positions. They had very little time to prep. It's not like the old days where you're hitting and going live during the week. I mean, these guys are differently tuned these days because of the cap and all the things that keeps players from hitting each other a lot, you know, worrying about head injuries and things like that. 
practice is different. And it just, you know, they just, it, there was just a gel there that, that they needed that they didn't have. And, you know, you had guys out of position and, you know, I mean, it's just, it just, it was a recipe for, for what happened. Right. I mean, we talked about it, Jeff, they, the, 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 the Bucks were able to rush for, get a little bit of pressure. I mean, I don't think, I don't think the Chiefs line played all that bad. Like, you know, I went back and watched, you know, some key plays and things. And, and, and I don't, you know, someone, I saw someone online said they'd rather, um, rather than watch that game again, they'd rather get hit by a train and then have the train back over them again. Um, Cause that, you know, that was, that would be, it's a tough one to watch again, but I don't, you know, the line didn't play that bad. Like, it, it was just – it was a combination of things where I think they knew – the Bucks knew they were, going to get a, they were going to get some pressure just rushing four. And when you can drop seven, I mean, that just, that just makes it so – you know, it makes the That's game so much easier yeah. for Todd Bowles. I mean, it's just they were able to double Tyreek. They were able to double Travis. I mean, there were guys – like Tony Romo used his term he uses a lot. They were just sticky. They were sticky all over our receivers because they had they had help. They had guys back there. They didn't have to rush five. They didn't have to blitz six, you know, and, and bring guys up in the box and fake blitz because they knew that that offensive line was going to struggle a little bit based on who was playing where. And so, you know, it was just – it was a – you know, hats off. I, you know, I don't think – I'm going to say this, and, I, and this is not – I don't want to sound like I'm being overly defensive of the Chiefs and, and, and their and, – you know, and them – I don't think the Chiefs – particularly lost that game I think the Bucs won it I really do like if you were to to draw a line and say okay did somebody win the game like it's very obvious sometimes when a team loses a game right and it's just like whoa that team really lost the game like fumbles you know fumbles in their own end zone you know tons of picks you know you know all that I don't I would give the Bucs more of an edge of saying if I had to pick one of those two sides of the coin I'd say that the Bucs won the game I don't think the Chiefs helped themselves with the penalties and some of the things that they did, but I don't think the Chiefs particularly lost the game. I think the Bucs won it with their game plan, taking advantage of, of some of the things that the Chiefs didn't have going for them, like the offensive line, you know, sh- shifting and, and, and moving around. And then, and then there, and I think the Bucks' offensive game plan was spot on, right? It was stellar, right? And they established the run early it allowed Tom to use more play action. It opened things up for Gronk. They never really went deep. You and I talked about that before we were recording, right? They never really went deep on the Chiefs. It was middle of the field stuff. Game management. There's that term you used last right. week, Jeff. I was the whole time I'm watching that game, all I'm thinking about was Jeff Fadoten saying, <laughs> Tom Brady, game manager, and everybody, that's not a bad thing. Right. Not a bad like he had two hundred and one yards, which in especially in this era is not a lot, but like he just Exactly, manage the game. Short passes, control the game, control the clock. He really did, Jeff. If you looked at, if you, I'm on, I'm on the stats page right now, right? And if I'm going to scroll up on my computer screen and I'm going to get rid of the score, and I'm just going to look at the stats, okay? I'm telling you, it's really close. Right, I mean, right. so if you if you were playing if you were playing some kind of weird fantasy, I used to play when I was a kid. We used to have this thing called Stratomatic football, where you like played games with statistics. And I, used to, I know they had stratomatic baseball too. It was like the, I remember the, it was the baseball like the version. Yeah. Rotisserie, rotisserie baseball, we used to call it sometimes. But like the Chiefs had more total yards. They threw the ball for 50 yards more than the Bucs. They, 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 they had about 40 yards less rushing. Average yards per play, Chiefs 5.1, Bucks 5.4. I mean, 
really play yards per play very similar close in the first downs close in third down efficiency the chiefs actually got a fourth down uh try the bucks didn't when we stopped them on the goal line we ran more plays than they did here's where it gets a little hairy sacks allowed we allowed three penalties we had 120 yards of penalties the bucks had 40 that's the difference so, right there and, sure. and we had the two picks so you know but for for like if you looked at some of the yardage stuff and all that other things if you looked at that box score you could kind of go i don't know maybe that game was 21 to 14 or maybe it was 21 20 even if you just looked at those numbers i just read off you'd never think that it was 31 to 9 and that's why you have to watch football. And that's why they, they play the game. They don't play it with stats and dice and, you know, picking cards, right? You actually go out and, on the field and play. And that's what the Bucks did. They went out and played. And uh, they, did, they did all the right things at the right time, I think, in, in, in their game plan. Totally. Uh, well said. They had the perfect game plan. They were the perfect uh, – you know, so hard to beat the Chiefs, but you got to be able to do two things. you got to be able to run the ball. you got to be able to pressure the quarterback. And the Bucks. We're very good at both. Well, football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on those sports is at betonline.ag. I know I'm excited about the NCAA tournament, which is just a month away. And then maybe we'll have some wagers on the Stratomatic games that Joe used to play as well. But BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And, of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Joe, you know, you never count out Mahomes. And this, as everyone said, this – you know, he doesn't deserve the, the blame for this uh, loss. But you can never count him out. So, you know, at halftime, the Chiefs had widely, wisely deferred the kickoff. Uh, and I think that's so valuable to get the first possession after halftime. You can see how the game is going. You can tweak things. So I'm like, the Chiefs have a shot. And then but the Chiefs kind of gave them their best punch and only got like a 52-yard field goal, like barely scoring. So I'm like, geez, I think it might be over. But, you know, the Chiefs always come back. And then when Leonard Fournette scored that touchdown, it was 28 to nine. That's, that's really when I thought it was over. Uh, I, I had a question for you, Joe, and we're, we're obviously trying to be very sensitive about this because it, 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 it's really a, a tragic event. And we certainly feel sorry for the victim fam- victim's family. We certainly feel sorry for Andy Reid, who clearly has a lot of grief about what happened with his son and the accident. He opened a press conference um, with that, it, you know, his thoughts about the family. Uh, that said, in a football context, Joe, I mean, he, he's human like we all are. Do you think that affected him or clouded him all, at all at, at this game? I, I, you know what, Jeff? I'd be, I'd be worried if it didn't. i got to be yeah. honest. You yeah. know, I'd be worried if it didn't. If he, if he were able to go into that game with the same kind of Andy energy that he goes in, I noticed that, believe it or not, when he was walking off the plane. I, I just saw it. I, obviously, we all knew, we all kind of knew what was going on. Right. And, you know, Saturday morning, you know, there, or afternoon or whatever, they're flying into Tampa. And you just, he just, just getting off the plane, he didn't have that zip and bop in his step. He just, he just looked like something was on his mind, you know. And obviously, it's the Super Bowl and, and, and there's a lot of pressure around that. But as the head coach, but I, I really do think, you know, and, and again, being sensitive to all that surrounds this with, 
you know, these victims' families and, and, and Andy having to deal with this as a dad, you know, regardless of, of what happens from, you know, who, who's at fault and all that stuff. He's, he's still, you know, he's still, is, he's still a dad and, and he's worried about the victims, he's, the people who were hurt. He's worried about his son. He's worried about his team. And of course, like I said, I'd be worried. I'd be worried about it. I'd be, I'd be, you know, I'd be thinking, God, if if that didn't affect you emotionally, and he just was kind of happy, Andy, woo, you know, like the way that he usually is, that would be scary, actually, right? Because he was dealing with a lot, and 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 um, it just, yeah, I mean, you can't imagine, like it just, it had to have been a little bit of a drain, right? And and not to again take away from anything that happened with those the poor people that were involved in, in that accident and the kids and everything that's going on. But like just focusing back onto the game part of it, right? Like you can't imagine that the team didn't feel Andy's stress. And, 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 and I can't imagine what his, his pep talk was like getting the team ready or his energy in the locker room and coming in and, you know, Andy kind of, he's always fooling around. He's dancing, you know, he's the Hawaiian shirt guy, right? I mean, he's, right. he's out of Bahama. Oh, you know, it's so sad. And, and I just feel, I feel number one, so sad for those families that were involved and everybody that was involved. It just, it's, it's a, t- it was a tough thing to go into the Super Bowl with. Right. And of course there's always that hindsight is 2020, right? If it weren't COVID, the team would have been there last Saturday. They would have had a week, they would have had no distractions, but now they're not like, it's just like you could play out all these different scenarios. It's, it's, it's really sad. Um, you know, to think about and, and, and Jeff, you know what, you know, putting just putting a lid on that for now until we see what happens, but yeah, it, it had to have been a big effect uh, for the chiefs emotionally. It had to be. It, it, and like I said, if it, if it weren't, then I'd really be worried about the emotional state of, of Andy and, 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 and some of the other players that, you know, were thinking about it with him. You know, the, the game plan, there were some adjustments that I think that the, um, you, you said so on point, Joe, how, the Bucks had a great game plan, you know, their the, the scheme, and it was executed to a T, and they had the players to do that. The Chiefs had some uh, questionable moves, I thought. Uh, a couple of things. Look, the Bucks had the best rush defense in the NFL throughout the season, so I get that. The Chiefs, how they could beat them was going deep, but they, they ran the ball only four times to uh, – excuse me, only five times in the first half. And uh, I, I don't, I, I don't think that, I think that was too off balance. I think that would have to have a little bit more of a running game would have put less pressure on Mahomes. Um, so I thought that was questionable. Um, I thought also they should have, again, maybe you, you don't want to do max protect because the chiefs are so good about having all these vertical targets, but maybe bring in another blocker or two to adjust there. Uh, and the last uh, questionable thing I thought was the, the timeout usage at the end of the half, the Bucks kind of burned the pack Packers in the NFC championship game by scoring right before the half. Um, and, and I thought the timeouts there kind of helped the Bucks um, there. Joe, I was curious if you, if you thought that, you know, being with your knowledge of offensive line, having played it, should the chiefs have tweaked things, brought another guy in or something like that? Would that have helped? I, let me while it's Lots fresh in my head. There. I while, <laughs> yeah, while it's fresh in my head, Jeff. Let me let me let me go to the let me go to the run game first because I was um, you know I'm I'm not the offensive coordinator. I I couldn't be an offensive coordinator. So here, who am I to to sit here and criticize a team that is explosive like this? But I was really surprised that they didn't try to run more mm-hmm. to establish something against that defense because I you know. 
look, I'm no prognosticator, but I know what I was saying all week, looking and knowing what was happening with that offensive line, they were going to have to do whatever they could to at least try to run the ball more to establish a seven-man box for the Bucks and to bring some of those linebackers up and to make at least at least the Bucks fear that they were going to try to run the ball because it, it never ha- – like you said, Jeff, it never happened in the first half. And I was like, no, like they're going to be dropping seven the whole time. That's, that's, not, that's not the way, you know, this team needs. This team needs you to get into man-to-man, right? They need to, to single up Tyreek. They need to single up Travis. Like this team needs – the deep this offense I'm saying needs the defense the Bucks being they need them to be in man-to-man they need them to have seven guys up looking for the run have to pull those linebackers in to the run you know with something and they never established it and I thought for sure they were going to do that I thought for sure and it was too late when they started in the second mm-hmm. half right and and really it was it really was just Clyde I mean right Clyde had nine nine carries Patrick had five but that was him just you know, being Patrick and you know, a couple of, a couple of, you know, they had the Tyreek, they tried the reverse again. And then, and then they had Daryl ran it twice. Like it was like, they never, they never established and that. I was, I'm going to use this word and it's going to sound really strong. This is not being critical. I was very disappointed I, of, that they weren't running the ball more, mm-hmm. at least trying, especially since things were going slow anyway. I mean, the Bucks didn't start out that fast. I thought that, I thought our defense looked pretty decent in the first quarter. You know, the Bucks got that touchdown. The, the, the Chiefs scored, you know, with the field goal. Like, it was 7-3. to three. Like, I'm like, let's make this – let's – okay, ground and pound, man. Right. Just, you know, right. put it on the ground and pound it out. So, I just, just wanted to make sure I hit on that because that was that was – disappointing to say the least that they didn't try to establish that and then going back to your to your actual question max protecting I mean you know I think I think they probably could have maybe done a little bit more with you know with with Clyde chipping maybe or helping you know like what you do with the chip blocks is 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 maybe not so much destroy your whole pass route but just give the give the um the 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 offensive line the, the, the security that they're going to at least be able to funnel a player to one side or the other, right? Like when you, when you have a player coming up in uh, like a running back coming up to help with protection, sometimes they'll come up in the middle and then the interior guys know that, you know, if they, if they get beat, they can be aggressive. And if they get beat, you got somebody there to help them, you know, just kind of clean things up. Right. So they don't get that direct shot at the quarterback. If you have somebody chipping on the outside, it would have given Remmers, and Wiley a chance on the outside to maybe funnel those guys into the middle of the pocket a little bit and maybe allow Patrick to, you know, break containment. If, mm-hmm. if Clyde or Darrell Williams or, or any of the backs that they would have been cycling through there could have chipped on the outside, right? So imagine you're the left tackle and, the, and you know, the guys are rushing outside of you, right? And they're trying to go around the pocket to get Patrick. If you have a running back there to chip at them, it forces them inside. And sometimes quarterback can break contain. So yeah, I, I do agree with you, Jeff. I, I think they could have, I think they could have done a little bit more. I think keeping Travis in and and sort of doing like true max protection where you keep your tight end. I think that I don't think that would have worked. Right, right. But but I think I think if they would have used the backs a little bit more to chip, um, it just would have given you know just find out who's not playing very well, right? Who's struggling the most? Right. You know, have have Eric talk to, to Andy Heck, the line coach, and say, all right, who who's struggling? You know, oh, well, you know, we're looking because they watch the plays on their iPads on the sideline. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like the old days where we had like 
Polaroids we used to look at, right? These guys have these guys have real time video footage. You can say, look, or the players would give you feedback, like, hey, coach, I'm I'm dying out there. This guy's killing me. And then you could say, all right, well, let's let's keep Clyde in and chip, and then maybe he gets out into a little screen pattern or something, or you know, out into the flat. So, yeah, they could have done a little bit more there, Jeff. I think they could have done a little bit more to to give those guys some 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 extra just confidence, right? I, and here was the stat, Jeff. I know I tweeted this this at you. It was a it was a Sports Center um, a tweet that I had seen, and it was the most pre throw pre-sack yards run by a quarterback i had no idea that somebody was keeping these statistics that like somebody's actually watching where the quarterback starts and then like how they run around the pocket and running around getting chased but patrick mahomes according to next gen stats he had 497 yards before his passes slash sacks in the super bowl the most by any quarterback in a game this season 500 yards jeff he ran around think about if he was going forward they would have crushed it they would have beat if he would have had 500 yards rushing or passing they would have beat the bucks they would have beat the bucks 42 to 3 but like the fact that that just that just tells you that the game it's 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 one up front and it's also one in the ability to not it's one up front in a couple ways protection but also being able to not have seven guys dropping back in pass protection on 80 to 90% of your pass plays. To me, that was the biggest concern. Not so much the poor pass protection that may have happened on some of the plays in the breakdown, but it was the fact that they were doing it with four guys and seven guys are back there just playing zone, just playing zone help, man help, whatever, you know, whatever defense they wanted to put out there. That's what Todd Bowles was doing. That, to me, was the hardest part to swallow, pill to swallow. Fantastic stat there, Joe. And just to clear up one stat I had said, because I get given a couple of different numbers, just and we're, we're always 100% accurate here. On of course the, we are. On the, on the, but so, uh, yes, it was five running back carries the Chiefs had in the first half. The running back with the most carries was Edwards-Elaire with four, uh, which, again, we didn't think was enough. You know, one, one silver lining for uh, this is uh, – Two guys who are a part of Chiefs Kingdom, uh, Todd McNair and Kevin Ross, guys I got to interview during the week. Their assistants uh, on the Bucks, longtime Chiefs, guys you played with, very good players. They got their first rings. Uh, that was pretty cool. And, and so did Bruce Arians, who actually uh, was on the team the same time you were there, running the backs coach, and coached under uh, Marty Schottenheimer, which brings us to our, uh, our final topic here, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Schottenheimer passing away uh, late Monday night. Someone you played under. Uh, just share your thoughts, Joe. Oh man, Jeff, and and you know, like just that extra little coincidence there. How about it being on the same day, twenty-one years later, from you know when Derek passed away, right? Wow, I mean, that's just that's just crazy, right? I mean, just just wild. Derek also passed away on February eighth, but. Oh, coach. Oh, man. Coach Marty. I mean, Coach Schottenheimer, right? I mean, just the outpouring you're seeing right now from all the people that he touched. Um, you know, Marty, you know, I tweeted something out today that the life lessons and the knowledge and the things that he passed along, I guess the best way I could sum it up and, and to, to really say what I can about Marty is that he, it just transcended football right? It was life lessons, man. It was stuff that you take with you into your personal life, your family life, your friend life, your community life. 
it, it was so much more than football. The things that he taught us, he, he was a father figure. He was, he was a coach. He was, a he was a community spirited guy. He was, he was energetic. He was passionate. People loved him. I mean, he was intense and he prepared, but he had such a fun side too. Like he was just, he was one of a kind, man. I'm telling you, Marty, it was, it's, it's a real loss for a lot of people. Um, you know, his family, the chief's kingdom, the Brown's kingdom, he played for the bills, right? The Western PA guy, just every community he was in, he made, he made people better wherever he was around and not just better football players and, and not just better football professionals. He made people better people. And, and that's what I loved about Marty. I, I told the story, you know, I've told the story before about my, my rookie uh, at our rookie mini camp after we were all drafted and everybody was joining the chiefs, my rookie year, he, we walked into the, into the, uh, you know, the team room and he had a, a notepad for us all with our names embossed on it. And he said, guys, whatever, you know, anybody, Whatever anyone says is always worth writing down, no matter who that person is, from the top of the organization to somebody who comes in and, and is in a support role, write things down. You can learn from everyone. He, he had a respect for everyone um, in the organization, from the top to people who came in and helped us at night and cleaning the locker room. You know, he, he just had a respect that everybody's job was important. Everybody's job was the same. Um, he taught us to write things down. He taught us to be prepared. I'll never, I, I still say it to this day. I used to say it all the time when I was coaching high school football, the more you sweat in the off season, the less you bleed in season. And because for, for Marty, it was all about preparation. The more time you spend preparing, the more successful you're going to be. Right. And that was his, his little analogy, that visual, right. That, that analogy of like picturing, picturing a guy sweating in the weight room, right. Running his lap, lifting his weights, doing all those things. And then like during the season, you don't bleed. Right. And, and it was just that visual just that made you always know that, God, if I just spend one extra more minute doing something now, it's going to pay off, you know, during the game. And I, I used to tell my, my players all the time when I was coaching high school, I'd say, you know, and this, this came right from Marty. You don't win games on Friday night. That's not when you win. You don't, you know, you win games in January. You win games in February. You win games at practice. You win games at training camp. You win games in the meeting rooms. And that's what Marty taught me. And, and Jeff, their lessons, like I said, they've transcended football things I'll never forget. I, it's a, he holds a special place in, in, in my heart. When I, when Marty had to bring me into the office and they had to tell me they were letting me go, Marty and I shared a good cry and he cried, you know, when he had to, when he had to tell me that, it, you know, my time with the chiefs was done. And, and to me that, that said it all, right. That, that his emotions were, you know, he was an emotional guy and he got attached to his players and it was time for me to move on. Marty knew that there was a, there was a business side of it. There was a football side of it, but to sit there with Marty and to watch him tear up when he had to say goodbye to somebody that he, you know, we had spent, you know, almost six years together, calendar years. And, um, you know, that uh, to me, that, that just, that just says it all. And just, you know, for, for anybody who's ever seen the YouTube, I just all day long, I've been hearing there's a gleam. Yes. There's a gleam. Like I just, it's, you know, it's, I think it's Marty just kind of talking to me spiritually, just like hearing him. There's a gleam and, and I just hope and pray that right now, you know, coach Marty, there's a gleam, man, there's a gleam. And it's, uh, I'm getting a little emotional myself talking about it, but he, he meant a lot to a lot of people as, as, as obviously you can see.
uh, from the outpouring. Well said, Joe, just so well said. And it's, it's very cool too, that, you know, um, what Andy Reid has done for this organization is amazing, you know, uh, taking back to back Super Bowls, but, but really Marty Schottenheimer before, you know, the chiefs had gone to one had made the playoffs once in the 1980s before Schottenheimer came in. So just as Andy Reid kind of the, the organization had lost its way, they really had a, a once proud organization had really lost its way before Marty came in and he made it, you know, the tailgating atmosphere, Arrowhead filling up. He made it um, a desirable franchise for people like Andy Reid to, to come to down the line. And, and Andy Reid said how close he was to him um, and had some very nice things. Yeah, they, he built the foundation, you know, that, that group of, of just football people, right? They just built that – they built it back. I mean, you know, like there's an old saying, right, in, in anything. It could be sports, business, family life, whatever. We, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, and, and I think everybody that was a part of that would say that they were standing – any coach that will ever take – uh, the field for, for the Kansas City Chiefs and, and anybody in that organization will say that they're standing on a foundation that Marty Schottenheimer was integral in building, no doubt. They, they, they would be so – they would be – there's no way that any coach could ever not say that, right? There's just no way. When you look back, like you said, Jeff, one playoff appearance in the 80s, 70s, you know, my God, we're, you know, it was a disaster after they won that Super Bowl and that team kind of – got broken up right with Len Dawson and Ed Buddy and all those those great players Otis Taylor and you just go back to the greats that were you know Buck Buchanan I mean once that got broken up it was a drought man it was and sometimes it's really hard as as you know covering covering football for a long time it's hard to get back to that point right you just get you dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper and Marty built it man he put on on shifting sands he built a foundation for this organization and it's you you have to if if you know football at all you have whether you're from kansas city or not you have to attribute success that came after gunther cuttingham and the dick for like all the players that have gone todd haley like they just kept building and building and building to this point and andy reed is absolutely as like you said as much as he has done to 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 get this ultimate success and get this organization a Super Bowl championship last year. He's standing on the shoulders of giants, and I think he's standing on the foundation. It's almost like you know I don't want to get over overly cliche here, but like it's you know they always say you know Yankee Stadium is the house that Ruth built. I mean, Arrowhead in some ways, if you look at the rebuild of it, you know it's it's kind of the house that Marty built. Really, in my opinion, I'm not just saying that because of what's happened and his passing and you know, being very sentimental right now about it. I really do think that Arrowhead, as it stands today, is, you know, is the house that Marty built. Uh, great points, Joe, and, and very poignant. Well, rest in peace, Marty. Well, if you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.